The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. Colossi, and welcome to Board with Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of the coverage for the games you play on your table and on your television. You can think of us as the Mario and Luigi of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network. I am one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy who's here every week and who gets all of the attention, even though I am clearly the cooler brother, Josh, how's it going this evening? It's going good. It's going good. I read that earlier and I couldn't tell who's Luigi and who's Mario because are you implying that Luigi is the cooler brother? Yes, that is that's, what I am implying. <laughs> that's such a Luigi thing to say. Oh, are you saying Mario's <laughs> better than Luigi? Yeah, of course. Mario, Waluigi is better than Luigi. What? <laughs> How could he? <sighs> Man. Luigi, he is such a bad rap. Luigi's awesome. I don't understand why people aren't Luigi fans. That's just His disappointing. His weapon is a vacuum cleaner. Yeah, that's sweet. <laughs> He's got a mansion. <laughs> I mean, come it's on. Man. It's not his mansion. <laughs> well, the title of the game is Luigi's Mansion. Yeah. So as far as I'm concerned, it is his mansion. <laughs> it's not Luigi clean someone else's mansion. Because yeah, so. no one buy that game. <laughs> <laughs> I probably would because Luigi's the cooler brother. Okay. So, <laughs> well, this is not the Nintendo Shack. We do not talk about all things Nintendo. In fact, we usually get banned from talking about Nintendo things. So, <laughs> probably for time for us to move on. Thank you so much for joining us each week, as you always do. We really appreciate it. As always, if you have any feedback, please, um, questions, suggested topics, anything you want us to talk about, hit us up at Board with VG on Twitter. Uh, check out the awesome stuff that we'll be posting on Instagram that Josh is taking care of. Um, also board with VG over there and I, I use that hashtag board with VG, which I've started using for some of the video game, um, posts that I've been doing. So that's good. So please use that hashtag as well on social media, but Josh, we have some more social medias now, don't we? Cause two isn't enough. <laughs> we, we have four, I guess I've found email as social media, which I suppose it is right. Right. Because <laughs> <laughs> you can send images over email. Uh, yeah, we have our, our, our official Facebook pages now up. Uh, so we're just waiting for the fan art to flow in so we can put up our new fan art logos and all of our lovely five-star reviews, I'm sure, that are on the way. Um, no, we set, set up on um, the Facebook page over the weekend. There's a lot to a Facebook page. So if you guys see stuff that's weird or... Um, if you guys have any pro tips for anyone listening that has uh, uh, a page for a podcast or company or whatever, give us, if you want to shoot us some tips, you can email us. There's a link on our page. Uh, you can click that or you can just send us an email at board, B-O-A-R-D, with VG at gmail.com. Um, so I'm really excited to kind of broaden our horizons a little bit because I think Facebook's the most accessible or at least the most normalized of social media. So 
and you know, it could be debated otherwise, but more people are familiar with it, I think. Um, and, and it's linked to our Instagram too. So uh, ideally, when we do Instagram posts, it should pop up as like a Facebook story, I believe. Um, also, I downloaded like 120 photos. <laughs> The group, they were all from my phone just sitting in bed. I dumped them all in. Um, so my wife pointed out the one blurry picture I put in there. So if you see other blurry pictures, uh, also let us know. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, you know, that is a couple of the changes that we've been making. Another change that um, was made is who is editing our podcast is now different. I'm editing the podcast now. Yay. So if, you know, when you're listening to the podcast, if you have feedback, I know how it sounds like on my phone and my player, but obviously if you have feedback about, is it too loud? Is it not loud enough? All of those things, please let me know uh, so I can try to fine tune and and make it as great as possible for everyone. Obviously, depending on the player you're listening on, I'm not going to be able to make it perfect for everyone, but I will attempt to increase our sound quality. And there's a few things that will come down the road farther. Um, just the recording conditions that I'm in and Joshua and are not obviously always ideal. So try to clean up the audio as best I can, but I recognize that sometimes when I'm in a big echoey room, uh, it's not always perfect. We have fixes for that coming down the road, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, that's exciting. Man, my audio is going to be terrible in comparison. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, you are probably like we talked about offline before we started recording about the most unlucky person when it comes to technology. <laughs> yep. So you seem to have issues. I mean, how many shows have there been where I've just kind of, you know, freeform for a while <laughs> we're trying to get you back up? For sure. <laughs> so <laughs> absolutely. So, hey, you know, like I said, I always keep that feedback coming. Let us know what we can do to improve our goals to continue to improve and create a better product for all of you who are listening. And we appreciate uh, when you listen and when you give us that constructive feedback. But hey, you know, that's a lot of housekeeping for us. We usually don't have anywhere near that much. So let's get to the games, Josh. What have you been playing on your tabletop? So before I get into the games, I wanted to bring something up from our soundtrack episode, from our music episode. Yeah. <clears throat> we were talking about Pacific Rim soundtrack mm -hmm. and it reminded me that like i think right after we podcasted about a moment that happened at pax unplugged where my wife and i were talking to tom vassal <clears throat> i was in the middle of the conversation with him i don't even remember what it was about because i was so mortified with what happened and i'm not sure if i said this on the podcast before <laughs> we're in the middle of the podcast uh, talking and my wife starts hitting me and pushing me right in front of tom and i'm talking to the guy and I'm like, what, what, what are you doing? And she's tugging on my shirt. So she interrupts my conversation with him. And she's like, the Pacific Rim soundtrack is playing in the background. And I'm like, who cares right now? Shut up. <laughs> and then we finish our conversation. And Tom goes, hey, what was it that you were interrupting him about? And she was like, the Pacific Rim soundtrack was playing. He's like, oh, I really like that movie. She goes, yeah. It's my favorite movie. He hates it. I'm like, I don't hate that movie. I love that movie more than you. <laughs> it was the most bizarre. I'm like, I'm talking to this dude I watch on TV every day on my on my Xbox. <laughs> I get 10 minutes alone with him to talk to him, and you interrupt with the Pacific Rim soundtrack going. I could not believe it. Anyways, that's so, my tangent. <laughs> so do you think Pacific Rim Uprising, uh, which is coming out, I think on my birthday, actually, in March, uh, nice. do you think it is going to be far superior to the first Pacific Rim? Or I mean, it's got John Boyega. That's pretty exciting, right? Yeah, it doesn't have Guillermo. That's true. 
So uh, it looks good. We'll see. I mean, I got Mako back, the actress who plays Mako Mori in the first movie. Mm-hmm. So I got the second lead back. They didn't get Charlie Hunnam back, but they did right. get Charlie Day back. So Charlie for Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> so to be determined, the the, the jury is yeah. out. And we'll see. We'll, we'll see it in IMAX uh, the weekend it comes out for sure. I mean, I kind of imagine that would be a pretty sweet IMAX movie. Yeah, I saw the first one in IMAX. It was incredible. So, yeah. so anyway, so what's the Pacific? What Rim, so Pacific Rim board game. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, well, they got Kaiju Crash and all these That's other true. games that are basically. That. That's true. That are that. So, were you playing Kaiju Crush recently? No, no. It's a game I want though. Uh, Fireside Games, I think, does it. That sounds right. Yeah. And I saw it at PAX, and I kind of wanted to pick it up, but. Uh, just haven't you know i get so many games <laughs> so what um, have you been playing then okay so nothing I've, again once again we go through another weekend with high hopes and expectations and then we had a sick kid and we got our taxes back and we were trying to figure out what to do about all that so i figured i would talk about smash up because nice. we haven't talked about it yet and yeah. it's a game that i really enjoy i think it's easy to describe so i can do it quickly because <laughs> we've been dominating this with board game for the past few weeks, I think. We have been. <clears throat> Which is okay. Uh, it is board first. Um, so for anyone who isn't familiar, Smash Up, uh, I don't want to say it's literally that because, I mean, it, it is and it isn't. So essentially what you're doing is inside the box you get what they call factions and uh Factions are what you're eventually are going to be your teams. So you pick two factions when you play, and they're crazy smash up factions. Like you could have fairies and dinosaurs, or pirates and robots. Uh, the thing I like to do best is blind pick which factions you're choosing. I know some people like to pick the perfect faction. But I think you're also supposed to do one faction at a time. So you might not always get the one you want. Right. There's some like overpowered ones like wizards and um, um, gnomes or something like that in the, in the base box are supposed to be like OP. Um, so once you get your factions, you shuffle them together in a deck and then you place bases on the, on the center of the board. And each base uh, awards uh, victory points for the top three, sometimes top three us, uh, scorers or top three people with the most victory points on the base. And the way you score a base is it has a breaking point. So once uh, you have minions in your hand and you have actions and minions assign um, attack points, which are also um, like the the points that go towards uh, the breaking point of the game of the base. So say there's a base with a breaking point of 19. Once all the combined minions on that base get to 19 or above, the base breaks, and the person with the most minions point value-wise will get first place, and then second place, second, third place, third. However, not every base gives you the most points for first place. There's also special rules under each base. Um, So sometimes the first place will get zero points, but they might get to move one of their minions to an adjacent base. Um, and that will give them a little bit of a heads up or a head start on the next round. What I think the the, the game itself is pretty simplistic. Uh, what makes this game more fun and more challenging and gives it that 
that longevity is all the expansions that have come out for it. I think I was listening to Dice Tower today. I think Don Bass said that there's something like 47 different factions or something for it. And they're already, they just announced another new expansion. So there's no signs of it stopping. But I don't think it's a game like Legendary where it gets too cumbersome because, you know, you know, in Legendary, you, you're taking out six separate characters each game and having to mix them all up and then put them all back. This, if it's only two players or even four, you're really only taking out four to six to eight, you know, factions. And I bought the big, the big box, the big geeky box uh, where you can fit all the expansions and then some in it. So um, it's nice to have that space um, to do that. And, you know, a little foresight. I wish they launched the game with that box that big, but obviously they were not, they were unsure it was going to catch on as, as well as it did. Yeah, can you imagine if they had launched that and then never released no, another expansion. expansion at all, ever? <laughs> yeah, it'd be a good shoebox <laughs> for baseball <laughs> cards. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's Mashup in a nutshell. Uh, it's it's pretty easy. It's pretty low price to get in uh, on the base game. I think it's 30 bucks. But each expansion's about 15, 20 bucks each. So it's a bit. It's a pretty big investment if you really like it and you want to keep getting all those cards. How many different groups have you played Smash Up with? I want to say the most we've played with is four. We've played anywhere from two, three, four players. Um, but I don't has think everyone, with more than four. Has pretty much everyone you've ever played with like enjoyed it? Yeah, I haven't had anyone who doesn't like it yet. Mm. Yeah, we but have Smash Up. So I can get yeah. where people might not like it. Yeah, we have. My wife isn't a, a big fan of Smash Up at all. Um, so we have it, and we actually have a couple of the expansions, but I, I almost never get it to the table because yeah. she just doesn't usually want to play it. So uh, it is a. I think it's a really easy game to get people into if they're not into games. So especially if you can let mm. get them um, two factions that they're excited about or interested in. It's a really easy way to get them into some more hobby style games without overwhelming them with rule complexity and all that good stuff. And they're all over the place. Like I have one uh, faction that has like Grumpy Cat in it. And <laughs> and that's all tornadoes. Right. And and then all sharks separately. So you can make a Sharknado, but yes, yes, they give you the individual pieces because they let the fans vote. So the, the expansion's called the What Were We Thinking? expansion or something like that you also have like star trek fake star trek characters right. from star wars james bond so it's very like inventive and creative and the cards are always funny um and sometimes challenging which is a good thing so um, it'll be a game that i will always want to get to the table who knows where that if that'll get to the table <laughs> should just take my table apart <laughs> we don't use it for storage. <laughs> well, and I think the hard thing, you know, if we're going to have a board game podcast, you got to play some board games, Josh. I know. I got to figure something out. <laughs> start, playing start, solo, start, right? start playing some solitaire games. It'll be great. Uh, I got. I can press Super Hot. That's a solo game. Oh, there you go. There you go. And I'll play yeah, it PSVR and it'll be great. We'll have a Super Hot PSVR versus card game discussion. There we go. All right, so that's my boring topic. What game did you play? So I'm going to go from, you know, going from Smash Up to this game is almost as far of a leap in games as I think as you can make. So the game I'm going to talk about tonight is Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. So if you're not familiar with this game, this game originally came out like, gosh, 
35 years ago or something like that. It came out originally in about, I think, like 1981. Uh, has been reprinted a few times. Um, the current version of it is from Space Cowboys um, under Asmodee. So the current box is Sherlock's Home Consulting Detective, The Thames Murders, and Other Cases. Uh, that package... Uh, is all the same things as Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, the Asari game from years ago. So that's the, if you want to get kind of the starting box, that's the one to get. Um, There's another additional one that you can get. And actually there's another expansion, I think, coming out this month or next month. Um, I think they're all playable though with this. You can just pick any of them up. I don't think you need the previous ones or any of the specific versions to do it. But in this game, uh, there's 10 cases. And you are not playing as Sherlock Holmes, but you're playing as one of the one of the regulars to try to solve some some cases that have happened. One of the ten cases. Uh, what is in the box is is actually very little. The box is very fancy and it looks very nice, and all of the component quality is um, really interesting because you get a map. It's just a paper map, but it, it still kind of fits the, how it's supposed to feel. So you get a map, a directory of London, ten case logs, ten newspapers, and one rule book. That is all you get. But what you need to play this game is a paper and pencil because you're going to be taking a lot of notes. Have you played this game ever before? No, no. Okay. So it's almost a stretch to call this a game. It's more like a mind puzzle or trying to work yourself through a mystery. So if you are really enjoy mystery movies or whodunit books, uh, mystery movies, this is a, as... I don't want to say pure, but I want to say pure of a who done it as you can possibly get. How the game works is one person, whichever case file you start with, you take that case file, the newspaper dated for that date. There's an order they recommend you play the cases in. Um, and then once you go to like case two or case three, you'd get that newspaper plus all the previous newspapers from a date order. Um, but say you're starting with the first case, you get one newspaper, the case log, the map and the directory you have one person in your group reads basically the intro like that sets up the case and then at that point it's up to you what you do you're like what are we going to do where are we going to go so say that there was a character that was mentioned in the story that the first person read um say that there was like an accountant uh that worked for the per uh someone who had been murdered um you'd say hey i want to go talk to the accountant you look in the London directory to find where the accountant lives. You go there on the map. Then you, in the case log, you'd find the information for that person. Potentially, there's some information there. Potentially, there isn't. Uh, usually, if people are mentioned in the case, there is. Um, but you go ahead, go there, read the short little paragraph that's listed there. And then it's the next person's turn to decide where you're going to go. So you're just taking all of these different bits and pieces of information and trying to be like, okay, Sherlock Holmes, like if you watch the BBC show or any of the things, like how his mind works, you're trying to figure out who committed this crime, uh, why they did it, all of these things, um, just from all these bits and pieces of information you get from going to locations, talking to people there, or reading the newspaper from that day. Trying to take all those things together and figure it out. Once you think you know what happened, at the back of the case log, there are a series of questions that say, like, who done it? Why do they do it? When they do it? Whatever. They're different from case to case. You answer those questions, and then you flip to the next page, and Sherlock Holmes explains exactly what happened and how he figured it out and why he figured it out and what meant what and what led to what. Um, 
and then you can score at the end if you want to. I, I don't think the scoring is super important. Um, Sherlock Holmes scores 100 on every case. Um, <laughs> you then have to subtract points, but like you get a point. It's kind of a combination of like what did you get right and how many locations did it take you? So Sherlock Holmes say he did it in eight locations and you did it in 12. Well, you have to subtract five points for each additional location you went to. So you just lost 20 points. Um, mm. It's actually really interesting because I was watching reviews for this game before I got it. Um, and actually the shut up and sit down review for it is hilarious because they talk about how in their first game, in their first case, they scored negative 65 points. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, there's no way we're ever going to do that bad. And we didn't do the, quite that bad, but it's very like, I don't think we're ever going to get a hunt. Like, I don't think that's going to happen, right. but it's really, really interesting. Um, some people are going to be turned off right away. Cause obviously once you have done a case, there's no way to go back to it. Like you can't, redo right. it like you know everything yeah. but each case takes you know an hour to three hours it's really up to you about how many places you want to visit how much information you want to gather and it really is just interesting because it's just you you can play it solo you can play it with a whole bunch of people um and it's just really sitting around and having conversations with people and trying to figure out what these things mean and sometimes you read way too much into one thing and not anywhere near enough into another and sometimes you'll be like oh i'm so brilliant because this clearly means this. And then you'll go find another piece of information that's like, nope, that's not right at all. I'm not brilliant. That's not the way it's supposed <laughs> to go. So uh, this game is excellent. I highly, highly recommend that if you are interested in, um, you know, like I said, any of those murder mysteries or trying to figure out who done it, if you like brain teasers or anything like that, like I, I really highly recommend this game. There's not a lot to keep track of in the sense of like, there's not pieces on boards. There's not numbers you got to add up. It's really a great game for sitting around with people, having a drink or two potentially, and just having conversations about what do we think is going on here? What do we possibly think is happening? Because you can talk for as long as you want amongst yourselves at once you've like read a clue or gotten some information. And then you just decide when you're going to go to the next thing. Like it's totally up to you. You just decide when the game is over, when you're like, I think we have all the information we need to answer the questions. We're just done. Like it's 100% just up to you and to pace it the way you want to, to do everything the way you want to. So I think this is an excellent, excellent game. Uh, I plan to buy the additional expansions or additional versions of it that are out there. It is really fun. It is really cool. And I don't think there's a lot of other games like this on the market period like this is not a thing that there's a glut of um so i think if you're looking for a unique experience definitely check out sherlock holmes consulting detective nice sounds really it sounded a little bit like time stories when you were talking about it but as the more you talk about it the more you could see that it's it's not like it has maybe some things in common but yeah it's I th- more open-ended i guess i would say yeah, I think it. I think the easy comparison people are going to make is Time Stories, but Time Stories is still more of a board game, and Time Stories yeah. is much more like you go here, then you go here, then you go here, and you have a certain amount of turns, and you run out of time, and then you got to go back and do it all over again. This is like much more open and much more go with the flow, and, and you 100% decide what you want to do. Um, Space Cowboys, though, I think does Time Stories too, right? Yeah, they do, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I think it fits yeah, kind of in that. Yeah, yeah, so it fits in. <laughs> it fits in the um, storytelling, like creating that idea of what you're trying to do it, and figuring out the mystery thing. Definitely fits in that vein. Um, but I still think they have pretty different feels, even um, having played both and owning both. I think they're pretty different still. Nice, very cool. Shall we move on to the topic of the board games? Let's do it. 
Sounds all great. So, uh, unless you were living under a board game news rock, you heard that uh, it was recently announced that Mayfair Games is shutting down. I want to say it was like 36 years of of running, and I don't have yeah, something like that. Top of my head, but it was close to that. Um, and all their properties have been picked up by none other than the picker upper themselves, Asmodee. <clears throat> so, <laughs> as as you all know, Asmodee's been on care picking up publishers like Z-Man, Plat Hat, Fantasy Flight, and Lookout Games, also, which is who they just picked up, as well as Mayfair. Um, so the questions are, is there an end to this? Is this going to be a monopoly type situation and not the board game? Uh, is it good or bad for the industry? And, uh, what impact, if any, do we think this will have on the industry? So why don't we start with you with, uh, let's hit the first question. Um, will it ever end? You know, I, it seems like it has to eventually, right? Yeah. It can't keep going on forever. Like, it seems like eventually that there has to be a, a, a limit to what they get. And if you look at their portfolio, like, they have a very robust, very, like, they have a lot of cool stuff. Uh, so I feel like at some point it has to end. I, I, I almost wonder if this was more of a, they were about the only ones who could do this, that Mayfair, and I guess I don't know, but it felt like Mayfair's statement was kind of like, we wanted to be done, but we needed someone to take this over for us. And they were the logical choice to do right. it. Like if you had heard like Simon was taking over Mayfair's line, you'd be like, wait, what? Like, I mean, yeah. I guess Caverna with some minis would be cool. Like, you know, like, <laughs> but so I think in some ways this seems like more of a, just a good fit as far as that goes. But I, I can't imagine this is going to continue at the pace it has. Um, they have a really cool staple right now and i think they have most basis of styles of games covered at this point so i i i feel like maybe we're seeing the wind down of acquisitions from them but i could be 100 wrong what do you think i kind of i kind of totally agree with you on that uh <clears throat> specifically about um mayfair's and i really think like if they were really ready to like hang it up they don't want their license their games to go to someone who can't handle them. And they also wanted to go to some, uh, a company that can reach the same audience that may vary. And just as much as Asmodee is very uh, widely diverse in their game selections from family games to adult games, that's just Mayfair is the same way. They have games that reach every age and every, you know, type of gamer so i think it's kind of the perfect fit i know i think the tone on on the internet uh, for the most part is positive you're always going to have the people who are like kind of like when microsoft was buying a lot of things or when sony buys a lot of studios or disney buying everything it's always the people who are worried about the bigger picture but in board games i don't think you're ever going to see a situation where one company owns everyone just right. because there's so much and and we just keep getting more and more and more and more and more board games every month every year it's just such a growing like people are you know being encouraged and going out and making their own games and just publishing through kickstarters or on their own so it's it, if even if they wanted to they couldn't keep up they couldn't buy every company <laughs> even if they had all the money in the world they wouldn't be able to keep up with everyone. <laughs> and some people just don't want to be owned by a, a big company like that. It's true. 
fine. Absolutely. Do you, I mean, do you think overall this is, I mean, a lot of people talk about like the health of the industry and whether the things are good or bad for board gaming. Do you have a strong <laughs> feeling as to whether this is good or bad? Well, this, I think it remains to be seen in this situation because it's not like Mayfair was hard to get. Like it wasn't, it's not like you couldn't go find Catan, five different, 10 different types of Catan at your Barnes and Noble if mm-hmm. you didn't want to. So Asmodee's reach isn't going to help them anymore in that aspect of getting games into new gamers hands like they're pretty visible people might not know who mayfair is as a company but they know the settlers series of games mm-hmm. um, but it might help for them to bring up the less known games um and i think generally when you see pu- like publishers like this bio game libraries you see a lot of um updated um and republished games with like a new fresh paint so you know uh, do i worry that they could pimp out the Catan license yeah like am i worried because we just got game of thrones Catan. so am i worried that we might see other thematic Catan games a little bit but i think i'd be worried about that no matter who took over the mm-hmm. license mm-hmm. so i don't think that's a reflection on asmodee at all what do you think no, I think it's, you know, I am actually what I'm I'm scrolling through um All the, the Mayfair game game library. And I'll be honest, man, they have a lot more games that I just didn't even think about the fact that were theirs. Um, you know, things like Patchwork and and Isle of Sky and like all these things that I'm like, man, I totally just even think about the fact that um that was Mayfair, because right away I went to like Caverna. Yeah, <laughs> that was yeah. the thing I went to right away, you know. Um, but I think, you know, I th- I think it makes sense from the, if I was going to say, okay, who would I want to take over my library of stuff? And I feel like they could do successful, be successful with it and be able to, if nothing else, maintain where it's at, if not push it to the next level, like who right now, who else is the answer to that for in the board game industry? Like, I don't know if there is someone else who could do that at this point, you know? So I think it's a, it's a good pickup and and I'm not worried about it. I do think that, we have enough other really strong companies. Like a lot of people, you know, will make the, oh, well, if Disney buys Fox comparison, then there's not a lot else out there that's really um, competing at that level. But like you still have AEG, you still have CMON, you still have, um, oh, who else did I have? Oh, Renegade, who has grown immensely in the last couple of years. Stronghold just announced that they hired two full-time people now in addition to uh, Steve Bonacore. Like, there, there are big companies out there or bigger companies out there still being successful, still doing good things. And I, I feel like for the breadth of the library that um, they had, Asmodee seems like the best fit to pick it up and be able to continue to push it forward. Because, like, even if you're Renegade, who's been doing a lot of stuff lately and putting out a lot of games... This would what triple their library, double at least double their library of games, yeah. you know, and that's a scary proposition, you know. But Asmodee, like, I mean, Fantasy Flight themselves puts out how many how many different X Wings expansions every year, you know, like, yeah. so it's it's I think an easy thing, an easier thing for them to handle, and for them it fits with stylistically the types of games that they're doing. So I think, I, yeah, go ahead. I just I forgot they did Agricola also. Yeah. And you know it's, it's in Lords of Vegas. Like, yeah, like this library is astounding. Yeah, it really is. Because I didn't think about how big it was until I started looking through it. I was like, oh my gosh, they really do have 
a pretty substantial library of games. So it'll it'll be it'll be really interesting to see how long we see or if we will ever see um you know Azoday and the companies that they have like are they going to then you know farm out these IPs to people? Are they are they going to are we going to see now Days of Wonder making the next Caverna game? You know or like how how is this going to work? Because, if, you know, Mayfair games have a very consistent look and feel to them. Like, they, they, the boxes look similar. Like, the, the art in the games look similar. Like, they have a look to them. Um, it'll be interesting to see, like, how, how they do that, you know. And I always try to go right away go to video games of, like, well, when you give an IP from one place to another place, like, does it look the same? Does it look different? Like, what, how are you going to put your thumbprint on it? And I, I'll be interested to see when or if we start seeing that happening, if they, who exactly it is that starts working with these IPs, um, or are they just going to reprint them and just keep them going the way they are? I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. I, I mean, it kind of makes you wonder, like, it, you feel like a Catan that's been consistently the same style of game for its entire mm-hmm. history of, and it, it kind of makes me wonder if it's been like that because of, that's how they always wanted the game and they thought it would be fine that way. Or if there was ever like resistance and people were trying to update it or change it. And then maybe now is when we see people at Asmodee going, oh yeah, we've had thoughts on new Catan design and artwork for months or years. And we've been waiting for this. Cause I look at like, if you go online, like on, even on Etsy, the people who make like custom Catan boards mm-hmm. are incredible. And like that Catan board and Jason's collection on Dice Tower. Yeah, I think it's nuts. Like the the possibilities, if they're of a, of a different mindset, could be positive as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it might not be new licenses. It might just be updates to the game. It's yeah, I do wonder. Fun. Yeah, I do wonder how much that doesn't happen. Just straight up, is the sense of like if I went and played. Catan at a friend's house, and now I want to go buy Catan, but it doesn't look the same. Am I now suddenly worried that I'm buying a different game? Yeah, like even when we we played recently, <clears throat> my buddy got the five to six player expansion. Mm-hmm. Even the art was different on those. Um, oh. So when we put them in with the other game, like even the cards are different. So I kept those, like all the artwork on the cards for the resources mm-hmm. looked nicer on the five to six player expansion. Oh. Nice. compared to the base version so so yeah it is an interesting question so i wonder how that will play out gotcha well hey good luck to you know the folks over at mayfair i feel like i said i don't know the i don't know if anyone truly knows the status of well i'm sure obviously they do and asthma day does but like why that decision was made but it, it seemed like from the, their statement they released that they felt like it was time to explore other opportunities so good luck to them and um, I'm, I'm interested to see, very interested to see, you know, what Asmodee does with these properties and, and what the old, the quote unquote old Mayfair games look like, and, you know, in a few years, are they going to be what we expect and what we've known, or are they going to be something new and different with a, a new shiny coat of polish on them? So, nice. hey, hey Josh, what do you say we uh, take a turn to the digital? Let's do that. What have you been playing on your television, sir? Well, today I got my project Scorpio Xbox One X, which is very exciting because I've been eyeing it at a local Target. I haven't gone to four local Targets, just in you know doing errands with the the family. <clears throat> I spotted this one Project Scorpio just sitting in this display case for months. 
My uh, local Walmart actually has one as well. Really? <laughs> just one. Just no, one. Just it's been one in my out area. There. You can't even look them up on Target's website. Like, they don't show up. So I kept stocking it, and today was the day. I got up early, got the kid ready. The wife was at work. We made the venture out, and it was still there. So it's now mine, and now I just need my 4K TV. <laughs> Which is coming this weekend. Which I'm going to go get on Saturday, hopefully. Yeah. So um, I jumped in on, I want to say last weekend, Friday. On Friday, I bought For Honor, Deluxe Super Mega Gold Edition, whatever. Um, but Ubisoft is having this great sale right now, and it might be ending tomorrow, today, um, <clears throat> where I got what would have been a $100 version of the game for 40 bucks. I could have bought the base game good. for 20 but it included Season Pass. And this isn't that of Ubisoft supporting their games really well, like Siege. So they're in Season 4 for For Honor already. So I'm yeah. like, great. So I'll get the Season Pass. Um, but I'll tell you what. Uh, when I played the beta, all I did was do the multiplayer because that's all that was available. Mm-hmm. And I may have briefly talked about it on, on here before. Um and then when they did a free play weekend, I tried a, a level of the campaign, which I enjoyed. I was surprised there was a campaign. In fact, I didn't even realize there was one until I booted up the game on free play weekend. Um, so instead of playing multiplayer when I got the game, the gold edition came with like uh, like their original loot crates, which is gear. So I customized my own dude. Didn't even use them because I didn't play multiplayer. Um, <laughs> so I started the story. You start as the knights so there's knights vikings and samurai and you start as a female knight which is not a bad thing and just surprising you don't see a lot of female strong female protagonists until maybe last year i think was the year where we got a lot of them but i think for the most part um it's few and far between obviously they're there like lara croft um but i was surprised and pleasantly surprised it's a great narrative. The voice acting is incredible. And during the campaign, there's some pretty cool spots where they, they switch you out with other characters you'll meet in the game who play as different classes in the game and multiplayer. So at some point, you get to use like a big giant knight dude who's you know, the, the, the Hulk, the tank of what you would play in multiplayer. Um, and then there's points in the game where you'll play as the dual-bladed knight who has, like, super fast but doesn't have good blocking. Um, the You you just played Rise, Son of Rome, so mm-hmm. you'll have some context for this. So in Rise, you have buttons that pop up above characters. Uh, in this game, because there's three different um, attack and defense stances, they'll have, like, a little tiny highlighted... Um, arrow in the way they're about to attack you, and that's how you have to defend. But they also have special attacks, and you can also parry, so you have to match up um, attacks at a certain point, but you don't learn parry right away. Uh, and as you progress through the story, it unlocks through chapters. You get to, at least in the um, the, uh, the night storyline, there's a boss fight at the very last chapter, and it was so well done. And it was cinematic it was challenging and uh without spoiling anything for anyone who might play the game um it's kind of like those little boss fights where you fight the boss for a little bit and then something happens 
and he runs away and gathers his strength. Then you end up run, running into him again. So it's like three acts of fighting a boss in one level. So it was really cool, and it was very well, like, it looked great. Uh, I didn't have any slowdown, and that's pretty good with the amount of characters that can be on the screen at the same time. Mm-hmm. Almost at like the level of Dynasty Warriors. Um, not quite as many. You're not getting a thousand kills in a level, but... Um, oh, Dynasty Warriors. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm really thrilled that I got it. Um, even at 20 bucks where you can get the base game right now, I think it's a steal uh, just to get that campaign out. And, and when you asked me how much I put in, I think I said three to four hours, but I think it's more like three to six hours for the first part of the campaign. So, I mean, we, we might be potentially looking at a 20-hour campaign. Oh, wow. Um, depending on how long the other stories go and if there's anything that happens after the three different chapters. So it could be even longer, but um, it gets a huge two thumbs up from me. Um, and that's without even jumping in to the multiplayer yet um, on the full version. So how long, or not, I should say how long, do you feel like the campaign is really just helping to train you for multiplayer and all the things you'll have to do and know how to do for multiplayer? I think, well, so I don't, I don't know what's going to happen next, but in the first campaign, yeah, they kind of give you like the tutorials mm-hmm. as you're going through. But I don't see that. I don't see that happening with the Vikings now because I know everything. Right. And their attacks are the same. Uh, they just have different weapons. Gotcha. But I don't see that. I think that they just used the uh, um, knight storyline as the tutorial. I mean, do I think it will help in multiplayer? Sure, but. This isn't a copy and pasting. This is like cinematics. Gotcha. This is a lot of dialogue and, and a very compelling story. Um, like uh, Game of Thrones style, like a lot of stuff getting thrown in the mix. It's, it's very good. Gotcha. All right. Well, I've been playing a game that I guess in some ways is similar. <laughs> Has some similarities. I'm jealous so- that you're playing it. I really love this game. Yeah, so I have jumped into and am playing Shadow of the Colossus um, remastered from the ground up by the folks over at Blue Point Games. Uh, and this game still provides an experience like no other. Uh, is it for everyone? No, it's not. And I think that's one of the things that's rough about or tough about this game is people talk about it with so much reverence and so much, um, you know, they hold it up as like one of the pinnacles of games. And I think it is as well. But it's not a game that's for everyone. There are some people who are going to play this game and be like, I don't like this. This is dumb. I don't get it. But the one thing I will say is that Shadow of the Colossus, today even, yes, this game is polished up and and made it look better. And they did some tweaks to the controls and things like that. But there is still no other game that is like this game. And this is, you know, how old now at this point? You know, 10 plus years. And we still really haven't gotten something like this again. And I think that in and of itself talks about how special and cool this game is. Uh, I feel like in some ways, this is what Breath of the Wild was going for. Uh, <laughs> as far as like the open like world, like you have, you know, these giant things that you're trying to take down. And like, I, I think that there are some inspirations from Shadow of the Colossus that you can see in Breath of the Wild. And I just, I love the world in Shadow of the Colossus. And I think, one of the things one of the things I, I didn't like about Breath of the Wild is that I often said that the world, there wasn't a lot to do there. 
And it wasn't that there wasn't a lot. It's just that to me, like the Shadow of the Colossus, there's like almost nothing to do other than the Colossi. Um, and for me, that makes the world like the starkness of that is something that is interesting and fascinating. And you're always wondering yourself, well, why is there nothing else here? Like, yeah, there's an occasional turtle here or there or some birds, but like nothing else is really going on. Why is that? What is it about this? You know, where I think Breath of the Wild had uh, like not enough to do like for what they were trying to do, they, but they weren't stark enough. So, like, I feel like you have to do one of the two extremes, like somewhere in between for me, at least doesn't feel great. Um, I haven't finished it yet. I'm, I just finished before we started recording. I just finished the 11th Colossi. Um, so I'm still working my way through. Uh, the controls are better than they were, but they're still not going to be great. Um, there are some weirdness to the controls. I don't think they're bad. I just think it's a little weird. Like, honestly, the the most difficult thing for me to do in the game is get on my horse. (laughs) (laughs) Once I'm on the horse, everything's fine. Once I'm off the horse, everything's fine. Getting on the (laughs) horse, though, sometimes I'm really bad at it. Um, And I think there are some really cool things with, like, aggro and how you interact. And, you know, people, if you've played The Last Guardian, people got really upset with Trico because they're like, Trico doesn't always listen and do exactly what I want to do. And aggro's kind of the same way. Like, you have to encourage and congeal and be like, Hey, no, we really need to go this way. And like, I know there's a little jump period, but you really need to take this with me. Come on, let's go. Like there's something there that feels like alive and real to it. And on, and one thing that I still can't get over, I always feel really bad when I kill a Colossus. <laughs> like I genuinely do. Like I, sit down to play this game and I'm like, I don't know if I want to do this. Like, yes, it's just boops and bops on the screen in the end. It's just, you know, programming. But I I feel really bad because like these dudes are just chilling. They're just hanging out. And I show up with my sword and I'm like, I'm going to stab you in your glowy bits and call it good. Like they're just <laughs> hanging out, you know? And uh, yeah. So like I said, you know, five class I had to go. Getting down there, I do have to. I want to finish it this week though, because Bayonetta comes out on Friday, so I, I gotta. Right. Yeah, I I really want to wrap this up, but you know it it really is a special game, and it's one of those games, like I said, that I think how you can see that it's so special is that there isn't anything like it yet. Again, like we haven't hit mm-hmm. another thing that you're just like this is like Shadow of the Colossus, um, and I think it is one of those games that really pushes towards games can be art and, and there is a, a deeper meaning and a deeper everything about games. They don't just have to be fun, cool, actiony things all the time, which is great. I love that too. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm really appreciative of this game and um, really happy to be playing it again. Yeah. So. I mean, I'll definitely own this game, uh, but I, I'll tell you, I still have, I can still remember playing this on the PlayStation 2 like it was yesterday. And I remember mm-hmm. the first time I played it, following that light on the sword, figuring yeah. out what the heck I'm doing, and then just kind of getting out to this like huge open area and and the anticipation of like what's it gonna be, where's it gonna be? Mm-hmm. And then when I like when the game first came out and you don't really know much too much about it, when you see that first hulking, sulking Colossus coming at you out of like the mist, yeah. it was incredible and i'm like how do i do this <laughs> it was like that moment i'll never forget that that's one of those gaming moments like i think when we talk about our favorite games or our mm-hmm. greatest games i think it's a game that uh it slips my mind too quickly because we're constantly talking about 
a big massive games right this is this isn't a really long game by any means yeah it's it's well it's relatively short uh at least the original one was um and i think there was less were there less colossus in the first game no i think i think yeah i think it was 16 so so maybe i only got the 12 i really just remember 12 so Maybe I'm just misremembering, but anyways, uh, uh, I'm glad it's at a forty dollars price point too because mm-hmm. it makes it more accessible to people. Um, so I'm just glad more people will be playing it that don't have to go back to try to play the PS2 version. Yeah, I think the hard thing that this game is going to face though is if people have never played it before, and I never beat it back on PS2. Like I played it, but I actually never owned it. I, I borrowed a friend's copy and I never finished it, so I'm excited to actually beat it. Um, but so I actually don't know the end of the story after all of these years. Like I've just never, I was like, at some point I want to go figure it out. Um, I, I, I think that there, yeah, I think that, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm 11 class, class I in, I think I'm only at about three and a half or four hours. Um, so it's not like a super long game, but yeah, it is one of those things that the moments that are there are memorable, but I think it also might suffer from for a decade, people have been talking about how this is one of the greatest games ever. So if you never played it and now you sit down to play it the first time, I don't know how something can possibly live up to those expectations. You know, like, sure. yeah, I think that's going to be the hard part for some people. Like, even if you hear, you know, Celeste, people are raving about Celeste right now and it's a couple of weeks old. And if you go pick it up today and you're like, oh, this is good. But, you know, people are talking about how great, you know. I don't know how a game can possibly live up to 10 years of this is one of the best games ever made. I've been hearing that for 10 years. So I'm going to sit down and play it for the first time. I I don't know how something lives up to that expectation, but I get you. That makes thousands. So, Hey, so really briefly, you know, as the show's getting towards the end here, I just very briefly, Josh, want to talk about Blizzard has announced that this weekend folks will be able to play Overwatch for free. Which, if you haven't ever played Overwatch, play Overwatch this weekend for free, people. Come on. It's great. I've played like 500 plus hours of this game. You should play at least five. Uh, <laughs> you should totally do that. But what I want to know, sir, is what do you think about these free weekends? Because this has become kind of a more recent phenomenon. The last you know year or two, we have started to see these free, we- free weekends happening with some regularity from a lot of different publishers uh, for these multiplayer games. Do you play it? Do you participate in these things when they happen? What games do you feel that they're good for? Um, and, you know, have these ever caused you to jump in and purchase a game as a result? It sounds like maybe For Honor fit into that. Yeah, For Honor was is a perfect example of that. Um, I think they're great because, it you know, it gives you that opportunity, like, to try a game you might never try. It's, it's, it's essentially a free game pass instead of paying however much game pass is a month, 10 bucks a month. He gives you like, I played rainbow six siege via free play weekend. And I knew I got to play that I would have probably bought that. I knew I liked, but not enough to buy. Mm-hmm. So had that worked out well for me, does it work out well for Ubisoft? I don't think they missed out on my 60 bucks because following people play it. <laughs> but I think that, <laughs> I mean, I think they would still take your $60. Oh, they'll be happy to take it, but I don't <laughs> I don't think you're ever going to see a game that needs the money show up on a free play weekend um, because it does give you that risk factor of um, someone playing a game and not enjoying it. Mm-hmm. But I think every game we've seen so far from The Division all the way to Overwatch, like they're all over the place. Um, I think Lawbreakers had a free weekend. Yeah, maybe. No, that, that wasn't on Xbox, so I don't know. That's true. That's Probably. true. <laughs> Look how good it did. <laughs> I 
I'm sure uh, the reason it didn't do great was because it wasn't on Xbox. Yeah, yeah I'm sure. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, it's it's smart. Um, it's just a, pro- it's a product of the time. Like, this is what people want now. Like, uh, I'm going to play, uh, probably play Overwatch again on the Xbox. I have it for PS4. But, you know, now I have Xbox One X. So now I can see now that and, HDR support. And they have 4K support, I yeah, believe. 4K now. and HDR, they just added. So now I can see the difference if I want to. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a couple of screenshots um, on my phone, on my old TV, and then on my new TV for some of my games to see if I can tell just how different it is. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean... It's a great opportunity also for people, for like a game like Overwatch, uh, where it's like, I'm sure a lot of people experience hearing their friends talk about a game they don't have all the time. Gives them a chance to also go play that game with them, you know? And that, and then if it's if you're younger, if you're not someone who is, uh, you know, bringing in a paycheck yourself or, you know, can't spend money on games every week or month, you know, this might be the one that you've been on the fence for, like For Honor, for me for months or even years, depending on the game, like the division was out on a free play weekend, like two years after the game came out, you know, and I'm sure they got sales from it. Mm -hmm. So I think that's just kind of the, I mean, the goal that they're striving for is the goal they're achieving. I think, what do you think about them in general? Yeah, I think they're cool. I'll be honest. I don't think I've ever participated in one. I don't think, uh, I know I downloaded rainbow six siege one time for one of the free play weekends, but I don't think I ever ended up playing it. Uh, but I, yeah, I think they're cool. I think it basically is an extended demo and is a demo that you can be, knowing a lot of other people are going to be playing, especially since they tend to do these with multiplayer focused games. It's like a time that they know that they're going to have a number of people who are going to be in there playing, you know, for the first time. Uh, I'm excited to play with a whole bunch of newer people in Overwatch this weekend, which probably won't happen because I never get match made with them. But (laughs) I I think it is a great opportunity, like you said, to, to check out these games. I just really wonder, like, I'm sure they must have the data somewhere that shows that what the conversion rate is. Otherwise, companies wouldn't continue to do these things. Because I think every, what, man, I know at least in August, there was a free play weekend for Overwatch, I think. And there might have been one more since then. So, I mean, we're looking, you know, every three, four months they're doing these. So there must be a decent conversion rate. I'm kind of surprised they didn't do this when, like, the last weekend of Overwatch League, like, so would have been last weekend because they're off for a week now until they start stage two. Um, But they are in their Year of the Dog event right now for the Lunar New Year. Uh, So people might want to come in, play some Capture the Flag, all that good stuff. So I I think they're a good idea. I think it's a cool way to get a lot of people playing a game at one time. And you're right, you know, if like you and I and like one other person all download the game together and we try it together, we're like, hey, this is kind of fun for us to play together. Maybe we should all buy it together. Right. Uh, I think that probably is definitely beneficial to them. So I hope they continue and I feel like they will. I just don't think I've ever actually done one yet. So when, maybe I need if, to do that. Maybe, like I'll a, do- maybe I'll download Overwatch on Xbox this weekend. Yeah, we can play, <laughs> we can play on Xbox. No, I mean, we both have it on PlayStation. We might as well right. just play it on PlayStation. Uh which we don't do enough. We don't. I was Anyways. playing right before the podcast, and, and then I played know. a little shadow. <laughs> but you, I know you were at work, so I was working. So I, <laughs> I think if you if you take it and look at it um, a little bit, a little bit of a broader stroke, like it's no different than walking into a Best Buy or a Target and having Overwatch on display. Right. 
you know, and some people said those things for eight hours. Like when I used to work at Best Buy, mm-hmm. it'd be a guy who could just go play Guitar Hero for for five hours a day because he didn't have anywhere else to be. So, you know, it's essentially when they had, you know, Mario Odyssey on a non-timed demo, that's <laughs> right. thing, free play day at Target, you know? So yeah. If it works in that atmosphere, I think, um, yeah, I mean, they obviously have to be making money because no company is going to give anything away for free if they can help it. So, you know, that it has to be fruitful for them um, one way or the other, even if yeah. it's word of mouth. No, absolutely. It was interesting. <laughs> yeah. So I have a lot of other things to say. One thing I will say really <laughs> briefly, small, really brief story about Overwatch. So they're... For the Lunar, the Lunar New Year event, Year of the Dog, they have added um, Capture the Flag, which they added a while ago, but they actually have a competitive playlist for Capture the Flag this time. And so they're doing four weeks, I think, of competitive Capture the Flag where you get a, a skill ranking and all these other things. In regular competitive mode, I have gotten up to like, so 2,500 and above is platinum. I have gotten to like 2470 something like almost every season. Like I just can't quite get the platinum. Now I know for most people platinum, they're like, whatever, you're bad at the game. I know I'm not great, but I really like the game. So we're playing capture the flag and I'm playing with my usual group of people and we're doing our placement matches. They have you do 10 placement matches. And then after that, they give you your skill ranking. So we're going through and we're playing and we're playing and things are going okay. Like, we're doing okay. We're winning some. At the end of my placement matches, because we all kind of started at different times, but we did a most of them together. Um, some people were six and four. One person was five and five. I ended up being seven and three when I finished my placement matches. Nice. The one person and wins don't necessarily matter. I mean, they matter to a degree, but also like the skill of how you do at the level I play at still matters. At higher levels, it's all just about winning. Um, but the lower levels, like your skill matters a little bit too still for your, so you could, you know, in theory, even lose all more of your games and still plays high. Um, the lowest person in our group, he scored at, he, his placement was like 2,100 or something like that. I got my placement and it was 2,770. And I was like, <laughs> I'm done playing this game, this game mode for the rest of the time. I'm very happy with this placement. I have played regular competitive for years at this point and have not been able to get over 2500 and then my placement here was like 27 something and i'm like i'm done i'm good like never need to play competitive capture the flag the rest of the time that the event's going on like (laughs) so which was funny because we did play two more competitive matches after that and we lost the next one and i lost like 60 skill rating and usually when you lose in like regular competitive you lose like 20 and i was like oh gosh they're still figuring it out so we have to play so we played one more and we won uh, but I only got back 55 of it. But I was like, that's okay. That's fine. We're just done now. I'm not playing anymore. So, all right. Well, that's my thoughts on competitive capture to the flag. Uh, Josh, we've been talking for a while. Do you think we should wrap this guy up? Yeah, I think so. I'm getting okay. tired. I'm getting sleepy. <laughs> uh, all right. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Uh, remember, uh, find us on social media at Board with VG. Uh, use the hashtag. Hashtag board with Fiji. And don't forget, new Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash board with VG. <laughs> we keep it on brands here. <laughs> and board with VG at gmail.com. Uh, feel free to drop us a line. If you want us to review some games and you want to send us some games, hey, board with VG.com. Send us an email. I mean, 
Pandasaurus games. We love to get our hands on Dinosaur Island. Uh, oh my gosh, Jurassic Park the board game. Come on! Hold the list. The, uh, Rising Sun, I've been hearing great things about. I mean, if you guys want to send us games, I'll, I'll do a video, everything. Yeah. I'll go find uh, people. I, Great to come to my house and play with me. <laughs> That's true. I think it'd probably be really tough for us to be like, we promise to review your game when you haven't played a game in like three weeks. I'll play with my folks. I'll go, hey, I'm playing with my dad today. <laughs> <laughs> I did just give... It was part cheesy. <laughs> yeah, I do need to get Stuff Fables out, though. I did just get Stuff Fables, but I haven't uh, had a chance to play it yet. Well, so. we're going to... I won't plug my stuff. I'm just going to say we're going to... Uh, a local board game convention, not this weekend, but the following weekend. So mm-hmm. we were going to get stuff fables. I was going to get it from my wife for Valentine's Day. And she said, you know, because our local uh, FLGS had a buy one, get one half off for oh, Valentine's nice. Day sale. She's like, I think we should wait on board games until after the convention. So mm-hmm. go to the convention, check that out. And uh, it's a four-day convention, uh, which I was very surprised at. Captain Con or something like that. Wow. Captain Four Con. days is long, especially for a local. Yeah, Thursday to Sunday. Um, so we're going to check it out and hopefully come on with some new games and play some games. <laughs> awesome. That's the most important part. Very, very cool. Well, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, BGG, all at Psychocross, C-Y-C-O-C-R-O-S-S. Um, like, I, like Josh had mentioned, if you do have ideas, things you want us to cover, questions for us, feedback for us, um, and you know you don't want to do it on the social media and have it be open to everyone, use that email address, boardwithvg at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you have to think or what you think about things, the ways we can improve the show, make it better for you. Um, just as a reminder, still planning to go to Game Informer's 300th issue celebration Saturday, March 3rd at Fulton Brewery. Uh, so they have announced that they're going to be um, revealing five unique covers because they're going to be covering the top 300 games of all time. Um, is like what their, their next issue after Metro Exodus is going to be. And there's going to be five covers. So they're going to be revealing those. Uh, plus Fulton is doing a special um, beer for that and all these good things. So uh, highly recommend come hang out, enjoy a brew or two. But it is all, all ages. So you can bring your family and all that good stuff um, if you're comfortable with them being in a brew pub. I look forward so, to hearing that Breath of the Wild is the number one game of all time. Uh, I we'll, <laughs> we'll see what happens. I'll, I'll be li- I'll live report from that. Um, obviously, like I said, if you have suggestions for future topics, reach out to us. Let us know. We want to make the show um, as enjoyable for you as we can. So we want to know what you want to hear about. So reach out to us. Let us know. And remember, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming. has been a production of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. Find more great content at PlaySomeVideoGames.com